Good morning again and welcome. Thank you for being here. It's a beautiful day. We're so thankful for the opportunity to be together. We've got a good number here and we are grateful for that. We're going to be looking at several passages today in connection with encouragement. And so I want to call attention to that theme. Before we begin, I do want to say we've got a lot of things that are going on here, a lot of things that are upcoming. We appreciate all the good work that's going on. We encourage you as we come into the last quarter of the year very soon to take part in all the great things that are going on here at Olive Branch. If you're visiting today and you want to maybe find or identify with a church home, we'd love to have you as a part of the work here. It'd be our honor to have you come and work with us on a regular basis here at Olive Branch. In our lesson today, we're going to be looking at some passages, as I said a moment ago, that deal with encouragement. I want to begin our study today by asking you a very simple question. Do you ever get discouraged? I would imagine if you have a pulse, you have been discouraged. There are a lot of reasons why we become discouraged in life. For many they're discouraged when they look around and see the direction of our nation. We understand that. Some are discouraged because of their place of employment. Things aren't going as well as they had hoped. It might be that you had a tough day at school and you are discouraged because you're not where you thought you ought to be academically. There are a lot of guys that get discouraged on the ball field. They didn't play that well. There are so many things that cause discouragement in life. The Hebrew writer in chapter 12 is writing to Christians, some of whom had become weary and discouraged in their souls, as the writer says in chapter 12 in verse 3. So really the key is to keep our eyes on the Lord and to demonstrate a persevering spirit so that ultimately we can finish the race. I want to begin today by first of all talking about the problem of discouragement. The problem of discouragement. Now there are a lot of reasons why people become discouraged, despondent, even depressed in life. There are homes today that because of family relations, a lot of discouragement. There are some who are discouraged when it comes to their marriage. Or maybe things aren't going so well with their children. Maybe they thought their children would be in a better place in life, and they're not. And so that causes discouragement. Could be because of pain and suffering and trials you feel like you've been beaten down to a point where you're discouraged. What I want to do is maybe for a moment or two talk about some people that I believe, biblically speaking, faced discouragement and despondency in life. I want to begin by calling your attention, going all the way back to the book of Genesis in chapter 37. You remember a young man by the name of Joseph. Joseph was the favored son of his father. At the tender age of 17... The Bible tells us that his brothers, you remember Moses in recording the relations that he had with his brothers. Moses said they hated him. They could not speak peaceably to him. 
They envied him. Now let me tell you what, that is a formula for trouble, isn't it? And so in Genesis chapter 37, the Bible tells us that when the opportune time came for them, they sold him out. He ended up down in Egypt, if you remember, rose to command in the home of Potiphar. And if you recall in chapter 39, the Bible tells us that Potiphar's wife made advances toward him. And so as a result of that, Joseph fled from her presence. Well, how'd that work out? Well, the Bible tells us he spent about two years in prison. And then if you go back and you look at the period of time that he was separated from family and friends, you're talking about 22 long years. You think Joseph was ever discouraged? What about Samuel the prophet? In 1 Samuel chapter 8, the Bible talks about Samuel. And Samuel, as you well know, was the son of Hannah. Hannah had prayed to God for a child. She was barren. The Bible tells us that God granted her the request that she had made. Her response was, as long as this child lives, he's going to be granted, given to the Lord. Samuel becomes a great prophet on behalf of Almighty God. And so in chapter 8 of the book of 1 Samuel, the Bible tells us the children of Israel approached Samuel and they made a request. They said, give us a king. Why? That we might be like the nations about us. Now the Bible tells us that God said to Samuel in the long ago, because Samuel was distraught, God said, look, they haven't rejected you, they've rejected me. Chapter 15, the children of Israel had asked for a king, and so God anointed Saul as king. And you remember over in chapter 15, Samuel the prophet gave very specific instructions to Saul, the first king of the United Kingdom to go and to utterly destroy all of the Amalekites. Saul disobeyed Almighty God. And the Bible tells us in 1 Samuel chapter 15 that David was distraught. Matter of fact, this thing weighed heavily upon his heart throughout the night. And so, in looking at the life of Saul, I would say he was a major disappointment to God. And not only to God, but also to to Samuel the prophet. Did Samuel get discouraged from time to time? The answer would be yes. What about Elijah? Elijah, probably one of the more well-known prophets in Old Testament era. The Bible tells us that he had a showdown with the prophets of Baal on Mount Carmel. And you remember he was victorious on that occasion, and then after that great victory, Jezebel, the wife of King Ahab, sent word to him threatened his life. And so the Bible tells us that Elijah was on the run, fled, so much so that he wanted to die, ready to give up. So here are some examples in the Old Testament of people that faced discouragement. What about Jesus? You know, we talk about Jesus as the God-man. Did you know that from a human perspective, the Lord Jesus Face discouraging times. Let me give you an example. You remember in John chapter 6, Jesus identified himself as the bread of life, that living bread that he said came down from heaven. And the Bible tells us that the disciples on that occasion said, this is a hard saying, a difficult saying, 
And their question was, who can accept it? Jesus, well, John tells us in that context by way of commentary, from that time many of his disciples went back and walked no more with him. Jesus then turned to the twelve. You remember what he asked them? Will you also go away? The Lord didn't compromise, didn't change his message, but rather simply asked the profound question, will you also go away? And what was it Peter said? Lord, to whom shall we go? Why? Because you have the words of life eternal. We have come to believe and to know that you're the Christ, the Son of the living God. So, Jesus Christ, the God-man, no doubt faced discouraging times throughout his ministry. What about when his own brothers didn't believe in him? Remember that in John chapter 7? And then what about the Apostle Paul? Paul was a great soldier of the cross. I would say for most of us, he is a spiritual giant, a hero. And you look at his life and you think about, okay, this is an apostle of God. A man that was specifically chosen by God to do great things in the kingdom. In 2 Timothy chapter 4, you recall the Apostle Paul in writing to Timothy, and this is his last book by way of inspiration, the last chapter among his letters. And so Paul references some type of preliminary hearing that he had experienced. And so he said, at my first defense, no man stood with me. Now listen to this, all men forsook me. I pray God it won't be laid to their charge. Do you think that was discouraging to Paul? Here's a time of difficulty in his life. He needs allies to stand with him and stand behind him. And Paul said, look, they didn't stand with me. No, the record says they all forsook him. And his response was, I pray God it won't be laid to their charge. But if you, if you remember down in about verse 18... Paul said, the Lord stood with me and strengthened me. So discouragement is a reality in life, isn't it? You remember in James chapter 1 when James said, count it all joy when you fall into various trials? The trials of life are often not met with the sense of gratitude. As a matter of fact, I would imagine that most of us, for the, for the most part, we would just as soon live without any type of trial or difficulty in life. And yet, the land in which we live, the world that we have been born into, is a world that is replete with human suffering. Listen to what Job said many years ago. Do you think Job knew something about discouragement? Well, the Bible tells us that in chapter 1, here was a good man, he feared God. And Job was the kind of individual that sought to live for God on a daily basis. Lost his family, lost his health, lost a great deal of his wealth. And yet his response was, though he slay me, yet will I trust him. In James chapter 5, James said, you've heard of the patience, perseverance of Job. So here is James writing to Christians and he's saying, count it all joy when you fall into various trials. Why? Because there's a byproduct associated with trial and tribulation and difficulty in life. That byproduct is perseverance or patience. 
So again, you look at the life of Job, and you think about here's a guy that without question faced some tough times. And I think what James is saying is that when we face trials in life, potentially those things can rattle our cage and shake our faith. I have no doubt Job's faith was shaken. Sometimes the trials of life break our faith, don't they? And then there are times when we can look at them from a positive vantage point and use those to our betterment. They become what we would call stepping stones. They help to build our character resolve. As Paul would write in Romans chapter 5, tribulation works patience, perseverance, perseverance, character, character, hope. Now, I want to move from that and think in the second place. God's prescription for discouragement. Let me just, before we begin this point, I want to ask you a question. If you are discouraged today, why? Why are you discouraged in life at this particular time in your life? Now, please, don't misunderstand me. There are obviously highs and lows in life. There are, as we would say, cycles in life. I mean, go back and look at David. You remember, if you look at his life, here's a guy that had great victories from time to time. There were other times in life when he was an absolute failure. So David had highs and lows, peaks and valleys in life. As people who live in this world, are we going to have peaks and valleys? Yes. Well, why is that? As I said a minute ago, we're born into a world of suffering. And Job said in chapter 14, verse 1, man born of woman is a few days and full of trouble. So the idea is you live in a world of trouble, and because of that, you can expect it. And troubles often lead to discouraging times. So you've got to know how to deal with discouragement. So if you're discouraged, despondent, if you're not where you want to be or where you thought you would be at this point in life, let me just offer you some keys that I think will help you to become encouraged. Let me preface this by saying everyone needs a Barnabas. We all need somebody who has the ability to say the right thing at the right time, the right place in life, don't we? Solomon said, by sorrow of the heart, the spirit is broken. So tough times can bring about a heavy heart in life. How then can we offset discouragement in a world that is replete with discouragement? Number one, I think we have to live with awareness. Live with the awareness of the presence of God. I mentioned just a moment ago Joseph. Go back and look at Genesis, go back and look at Genesis chapter 39. Three times in Genesis chapter 39, here's what Moses said about Joseph in a foreign land. And the Lord was with Joseph. Now you just think about that for a minute. Here's a 17-year-old teenager. He is separated from the father that he loved dearly. Separated from familiar surroundings. And yet God said concerning Joseph, 
prior to his imprisonment and then following his imprisonment, the Lord was with him. Not only was the Lord with him, the text says that God showed him mercy. So what about us today? Can we rest assured that we are in the presence of Almighty God? You remember Psalm 139? Where the psalmist talks about the omniscience of God, that God knows all, sees all. Matter of fact, he would say, There's not a word on my tongue, but you, O Lord, know it all together. So he asks this question, Where shall I go from your presence? Where shall I, where shall I flee from your spirit? If I ascend into heaven, he said, you're there. If I make my bed in Sheol, he said, you're there. If I were to take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, he said, even there shall your hand hold me and your right hand shall lift me up or hold me. What are you saying, David? David is saying that there is nowhere you can go on planet earth and escape the presence of Almighty God. That ought to be comforting. Go back and look at Joshua chapter 1. When God inaugurated Joshua to lead the children of Israel into the land of Canaan. Do you remember God said to Joshua, As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. And then here's what he said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. In Hebrews chapter 13, verse 5, the Bible says, On behalf of... Of God, I will never leave you nor forsake you. So I want to ask you a question. When you face discouraging times in life, can you rest assured that God is at your side? The answer is yes. And listen to this. When your life comes to a close, to understand you're not going to escape the presence of God even then. No, David said, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why, David? He said, Because you're with me. Let me tell you what, living in awareness. Awareness of the presence of God. There's a second thing I want to share with you. And that is we have assurance when it comes to praying to God. Assurance that our prayers are heard by Almighty God. When you face tough times, discouraging times, the Hebrew writer talked about when you become weary and discouraged in your souls. Do you pray? I would imagine that most of us in times of duress and difficulty, that's when we spend more time on our knees in prayer to God. Should we pray to God? Yes. And when we pray to God, can we have confidence that our prayers are heard by the Creator of the world? Again, the answer is yes. You remember many years ago, the psalmist made this observation. He said, I will lift up my eyes to the hills. Then he asked this question, from whence comes my help? My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. Oh, we're talking about an all-powerful God, aren't we? A God who had the ability to speak this world into existence. Remember what Moses said, Genesis chapter 1, verse 3, let there be light. If God had the ability to create the world, and He did, if God has the ability to sustain this world, and it does, 
Do you not think He has the power to help me with the problems I'm facing in this life? And let me tell you, the answer to that is a resounding yes. 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 To know that our prayers are heard. Here's what John said. This is the confidence that we have in Him. That if we ask anything according to His will, He hears us. Did you catch that? I mean, we're talking about the Creator of heaven and earth. The one that made you, that housed within you an eternal spirit, according to Hebrews 12, verse 9. That there is a God in heaven and He is attuned to you. Prayer is a great spiritual blessing in Christ, isn't it? Listen to what Peter said, The eyes of the Lord are over the righteous, and His ears are open to their prayers. Well, how often, Lord? You know, our day and time, there are some businesses that they begin early in the morning, maybe 6, 7, 8 o'clock in the morning, 5, 6 in the evening, they close up shop. There are other businesses, they operate 24-7. We're talking about a God that operates 24-7. The God that we serve never takes a break. When you, when you pray to God, you will never get a busy, busy signal. You're not going to get voicemail. No, you have a direct link to the very throne of God, don't you? And do you remember what Paul said? In Philippians chapter 4, talking about the anxieties, the worries of life, Paul said, In nothing be anxious, but in everything with prayer and supplication, let your request be made known unto God. The Hebrew writer said that we are to draw boldly unto the throne of grace, that we might receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. When you are discouraged and despondent in life, when you're facing tough times like a Joseph or an Elijah or Samuel or David or somebody else, is it not comforting? Isn't it assuring to know that my prayers are heard by a loving God in heaven? I mean, think about this for a minute. As a child of God, Paul said we are heirs of God, joint heirs with Christ. We live in a world that is owned lock, stock, and barrel by Almighty God. The psalmist said, The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. The cattle on a thousand hills are His. Everything belongs to God. And do you not think that God is keenly aware of where you are in this life? The struggles and the trials and the sorrows that you face, again, the answer is yes. And by the way, going back to Psalm 139, the psalmist said, you understand my thought from afar. God knows what you're thinking. God knows where you are in life. And so as, as a child of His, think about it like this, as a parent. Those of you who are young parents, those of you that are maybe more mature parents, your children are growing or maybe grown. When our children are hurting, when our children are well, let's just say that something happens by way of an accident. And they begin to cry, and they come running to us as a parent. What do we do? Don't we wrap our arms around them, tell them how much we love them, and let them know, hey, we're here for you? 
Can they not come to us? Sure they can. So as a child of God, can we go to God? Yes. Third thought. Abide in the, abide in the peace of God. The only people that have genuine peace in this world are God's people. You believe that? For example, when I go back and look at what Paul said in Philippians chapter 4 about facing anxiety and worry in life and how I'm to take the anxieties and worries in life and cast them at the throne of God. Paul said, and the peace of God that passes all understanding shall guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Do you have that kind of peace? Remember what Jesus said at the close of His earthly ministry? In John 14, Jesus said, Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Then He said, Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. You ever troubled? Are you ever afraid in life? Are you discouraged because as you look down the road, you're uncertain about the future? Maybe you're facing some storm clouds in your own life. Is it not the case that you can abide in the peace of Almighty God, the peace that passes all understanding? I can't help but think about David. David faced a lot of tough times in this life. and David was hunted and hounded by Saul, made a lot of mistakes in his life. In Psalm 56, David talks about those who were making life difficult for him. And so here's what David said, This I know God is for me. Now if God is for us, is it not true that we can rest and abide in His peace? In John 16, 33, Jesus said, These things I have spoken to you, that in me you may have peace. He said, in the world you have tribulation. Be of good cheer. I've overcome the world. Jesus is simply saying there, listen, when you live in this world, you need to understand trouble and trial are just a part of life. And if, you get, if you can get through this life unscathed, let me tell you what, you are an extraordinary person. So abide in the peace of God. And then there's another thought. Align with the people of God. I think there is a reason in Acts chapter 2, following the birth of the early church, that Luke said they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and in fellowship. We are a community of believers, are we not? We're God's family. Is there assurance and comfort in knowing that our brethren have our back. Yes. Go back and read about the early church. Read through the book of Acts. Read the epistles. And see what a close-knit community they had. We're talking about people that weep with one another, rejoice with one another, that bear the burdens of one another. 
Why? Because we are people of like faith, like precious faith. So to know that we have allies, we have an army surrounding us. I mentioned the unfortunate circumstances of Paul in the long ago when he needed someone to stand with him and he said, look, all people forsook me. There are a lot of good brethren. I don't care what you face in this life. I can assure you they will stand with you come what may. Why is that? Because they care. Because they genuinely care about you. There's a final thought I want to share with you. And that is to abound in praise to God. Now you might say, you know, that sounds odd. Why would I praise, why would I praise God in discouraging times? Well, let's just go back and look for a minute at Acts chapter 16. You remember Paul and Silas. The Bible tells us they had been beaten. Their feet were fastened in stocks. I wonder what their circumstances were. I'm talking about physically speaking. The Bible says they'd had many, many stripes laid upon their backs. They're chained. You think they were hurting? Do you think their wounds had been addressed? Do you think they felt all alone? Felt all alone? Were they hungry, thirsty, hot, tired, cold? You know what the Bible says about those two guys? At midnight they prayed and sang praises to God. What does I tell you about God's people? What it tells, what it tells me is that our lives are not dictated by external circumstances. That even though they had been beaten and battered for the cause of Christ, they still found reason to praise Almighty God. When Paul wrote to the saints in Philippi, one of his prison epistles, isn't it interesting that in that book, joy and rejoicing are found throughout. So in chapter 4, verse 4, here's what Paul said to the saints there. Rejoice in the Lord, and again I say rejoice. I don't care how badly we are discouraged in life. How many troubles and trials we face. No matter the weight of the circumstances that we're facing in this life, there is always a reason to praise God. to get down on our knees and thank God for all that He's done for us. To thank, him, to thank Him for His presence. To thank Him for His peace. To thank Him that our prayers are heard. When the Apostle Paul preached in Athens, he said, talking about God, it's in Him that we live and move and have our very, very being. That He is the giver of all life, breath, and all things. James said it like this. Every good gift, every perfect gift comes down from above. From the Father of lights. Listen, we enjoy the graciousness of a good God, don't we? We ought to be thankful for that. So I want to close today by asking you this question. 
Are you discouraged? Could I encourage you to take the simple keys that have been outlined in this lesson, apply them to your life, find encouragement in God and His Word. One of the beautiful things about Scripture is we can go back and we can read about these saints and understand that, you know, the Bible doesn't gloss over the troubles and trials of God's people. In a very transparent and forward way, God simply says, here's some things that they faced in days gone by. And we can draw strength by looking at their lives and by trying to find better days. I would hope and pray that you live life to the fullest, that God blesses you, and that you can overcome discouragement by being encouraged. If you're here this morning and you're not a Christian, I want to encourage you to come to Christ. You might be asking the question, what would I need to do to become a child of God? But understand that it begins with faith in God. Paul said, faith comes by hearing, hearing by the Word of God, Romans 10, 17. And then to put that faith into action through obedience. To do as they did on Pentecost Day when instructed by Peter to repent of all their sins. And then to be baptized into Jesus for the remission of our sins. That is for forgiveness. And then God puts us in His body called the church. It's in that sphere that we enjoy the hope of life eternal. Titus 1 at verse 2. If you're here today and maybe your life's not what it ought to be, could we pray with you and for you? Maybe you're here today and your life is off track and you feel like you, feel like you have been beaten down day after day after day and you need encouragement and it would encourage you to come and to let the people here pray with you and for you. Listen, it'd be our privilege. We would be more than happy to pray on your behalf today as we stand and sing.